This is the Poison Terminator podcast. My name is Carlo Diolo. Last week, 100 people contracted norovirus after swimming in the main lake beach. Today, we will talk about ways to reduce your risk of getting sick from norovirus. In addition to that, we will discuss how this virus is treated and diagnosed. My guest today, Jason Tetro, also known as the germ guy, is no stranger to norovirus. He's a microbiologist and visiting scientist at the University of Guelph. Jason is also the author of The Germ Files and a regular in Canadian TV and radio shows. Welcome back, Jason. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, uh, Jason, how does norovirus enter lake water? Well, norovirus itself, the one that causes infection in humans, can only affect a few different types of uh, people and animals. Uh, so we've seen it in uh, pigs, in cattle, in sheep, and also in dogs. So there's really only two ways that a lake could be contaminated. One is that these types of animals um, have had their fecal matter go in through runoff. But the most likely way that this has happened is that somebody who is um, infectious with norovirus has gone into the lake and then actually put the virus into the lake. So uh, how do swimmers and baiters get infected uh, by norovirus? Well, you see, once the virus gets into the lake water, it can spread to pretty much anybody who drinks it. And you have to realize something. Um, the infectious dose, the amount that is needed to cause infection, is quite low. It's usually less than 100 viruses. So if you happen to be exposed, there's a very good likelihood you're going to get sick. Can a norovirus uh, be uh, transmitted uh, from uh, person to person? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they, they call norovirus the cruise ship virus, and the reason for that is um, it's been responsible for, you know, shutting down cruise lines. And the reason is because it's incredibly contagious. Because when you let go of norovirus from your body, okay, you're talking about tens to hundreds of billions that are coming out. And you only need to ingest or bring in, you know, under 100. So that makes it for a perfect storm to create an outbreak. Um, what's even worse is that when you bring an infected individual into a community, nobody has immunity. And so as a result, it can spread incredibly quickly. How long can uh, someone who uh, is infected with uh, norovirus remain uh, contagious? Well, normally, for most people who are healthy, uh, you have the virus for about two weeks. Now, you're not putting out those tens and hundreds of billions, but you're still putting out a significant amount. Um, in people who are very old, people who are very young, and people who are immunocompromised, that can actually go on for much longer. We're talking uh, several months, um, and in some cases in studies, well, we've seen for um, you know, over two years. If I understand correctly, uh, people who are more vulnerable are, uh, are uh, more uh, at risk of uh, spreading the, the disease to other people. Yeah, but that, that's the case with pretty much any type of virus or because if your immune system is weaker, um, the virus is going to have a better chance to grow to those high enough numbers and then persist, as we say, so that uh, you essentially are spreading it over a longer period of time. 
What, what are the signs and symptoms of a norovirus infection? Well, um, there, the most common symptoms are diarrhea and vomiting. Uh, but you're going to feel fatigued because you're constantly having to go to the bathroom. Um, usually what ends up happening is, um, you know, your body is essentially just letting go. And so all that water that's coming out is going to, you know, make you tired and also could potentially make you dehydrated. How long is the incubation period of uh, norovirus? Well, that varies from person to person. Um, I've seen it in as little as six hours. Uh, some people can hold on to it for about 48 hours before the symptoms hit. It really has to do with, you know, the way an individual uh, transit time, as we call it, uh, from, you know, the mouth to the other end. Um, most of the time, though, when you're looking at statistics, it's about uh, 30 hours, about a day and a half. Are there factors that could uh, decrease uh, the incubation period of a uh, norovirus? Yeah, I mean, if you happen to have a, what we call a good transit time, in other words, when you eat something, it's the digestion that comes out of you happens within under 24 hours, then there's a good likelihood you're going to get hit faster. Um, if you suffer from you know, constipation or you have slow transit times, then it may take longer for the virus to get where it needs to be in your intestine in order to cause the infection. How long do uh, symptoms last? <coughs> usually, no more than about 48 hours. Most people usually only have one day of feeling absolutely horrible. Um, <clears throat> some people, it lasts for almost three days. The thing is, is that in those weaker individuals, like those immunocompromised, um, if the virus tends to persist, well, then you could have those symptoms lasting for up to six months. But again, that's not entirely common. Usually within two days, you're, you're starting to feel better. What are the long-term consequences of uh, norovirus? Well, normally there wouldn't be any. Um, the biggest risk is really dehydration. Um, because as you're losing the water from your intestines, that means that not enough water is going to your kidneys. So you're going to be putting pressure on your kidneys as well. However, the virus can potentially get into the nervous system, and that can lead to brain swelling, and it can also lead to seizures. We've seen that. And if the symptoms do go on for an extended period of time, such as you know, several months to years, well, the body could then experience gastrointestinal chronic conditions. Um, you could end up with uh, reflux. Uh, interesting, you could actually end up with constipation because your body starts wanting to preserve water instead of putting it into the intestines. So, uh, and, and then you have these um, irritable bowel syndromes and other disorders of the gastrointestinal tract. So these all can happen, but again, that's only if you have long-lasting symptoms. How is the uh, norovirus infection uh, treated? Uh, unfortunately, there's no treatment. Um, you just have to, you know, stay hydrated. The, the reason for it is that the virus is, first off, it's, it's very difficult to try and find. And the way that it infects, it's almost impossible to treat. And then finally, it's such a fast-moving virus that by the time you even take a treatment, you may already have recovered from the symptoms. Is there a level of severity of the disease that, that where you need to, to go to the hospital? 
Yes. Um, if you really are finding yourself um, so weak, uh, so dehydrated, and you know that you're dehydrated because you've got the headaches, um, you've got the fever, and your skin has that very pallid appearance, you might want to go and see a doctor because while rehydration through drinking water may be able to help, uh, they can give you an IV, an intravenous solution of saline to maintain your, rehyd to maintain your hydration status, uh, which can be absolutely necessary in some cases. Most people will not need any medical help. They're just going to need to stay very close to the toilet. <laughs> but for those who are starting to suffer um, significantly, uh, the hospital may be a very good place to go. What are the, the tests that are used to detect an, a norovirus infection? So the main route uh, are genetic tests. In other words, you're looking for uh, the genetic material uh, so you take a sample of somebody's diarrhea or vomit and, and you look for that particular genetic material. There are other assays that, that we call them. We call them immunoassays, and they're looking for the protein uh, of the virus. Now, these can be used to help confirm that, yes, indeed, a norovirus has occurred. Most of the time, you don't even have to worry about a diagnosis because, as I said, within a couple of days, you're feeling better. How can we know that lake or ocean water is contaminated with uh, norovirus? Uh, unfortunately, there's no way. Um, unless you're doing um, those genetic tests on environmental samples, there, there's really no way to know. The, the thing is, is that you have to look at other risk factors, okay? So we know that... Um, the virus comes from fecal matter from humans and possibly from animals. So if you happen to be going into a body of water that is either close to a sewage effluent or happens to be close to farms that have cows and pigs and sheep, then you might think that there may be a little bit of a risk. However, the biggest problem happens to be people who are not taking showers before going into the, to the water. And so in that context, unless you have regular testing of the water, it's very difficult. And you must always assume that when you have a mass, a, a mass gathering, a, num a large number of people who are coming together at one place, that the risk is going to be there. Uh, I read that um, these tests that you're uh, talking about can take like... Uh, from 24 to 48 hours to be released. Is this true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, because what happens is we have an algorithm. It's like a flowchart, right? So you get a sample, and then you do a test. And then if the test comes positive, depending on how positive it is, you may have to do a secondary test to confirm. And when that happens, it's going to take up some time. Then you have to be absolutely sure that you're correct. Then it's got to go through the channels. And this is going to take you at least that 24-hour period. Now think about this. You do a test in lake water. It's going to take you several hours to get it back to the lab. Then you've got about a day turnover. And then that information is going to be relayed back to the, to, to the lake. And then they're going to have to take action to make sure that people are being careful. So now you've lost about 36 to 48 hours. How many people have been swimming in that water that is contaminated in the meantime? So the water cannot be uh, monitored <coughs> continuously? 
at the moment we're developing what we call real-time uh, situational sampling, which means that you essentially take a, 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 some water, you put it into a, you know, a little machine, looks like a tricorder or something along those lines, and it'll tell you. We're not there yet, but it is coming, and that's going to help because it's going to be so simple, just a lifeguard or someone who just monitors the area will be able to do the testing. But at the moment, we still have to rely on the labs. Is the risk of uh, norovirus infection higher in lakes or ocean? Well, again, that, that's one of those um, questions that you have to kind of really think about it. Um, because the virus comes from you know, places like sewage. You're going to see more of that going into the oceans. The other thing is that the virus tends to hang out, hide out in shellfish. That's why they, you know, like oysters, which is one of the reasons why they suggest that you don't swim near oyster farms anymore, because that also uh, increases the risk. So from a purely risk perspective, you would probably think that a lake would be better than an ocean, because uh, essentially you're going to have less of a chance of coming into contact with the sewage or, or with the shellfish. However, here's where it gets a little bit more troublesome. Have you ever heard of something called retention time? Uh, no, never. Okay. Retention time is the amount of time that a drop of water circulates throughout the entire body of water. Okay? Now, in Canada, we have our giant lake, Lake Superior, and the retention time for that is almost 200 years because it's such a huge lake. It's almost like a sea. And now when you look at an ocean, that retention time is going to get larger and longer and longer. Now, if you're dealing with a lake, the small lake, something that you're going into, that retention time is going to be significantly shorter. And the reason that's important is that if you have norovirus in the ocean, then the risk of you coming into contact based on the entire volume on that retention time is going to be pretty low. In a lake... If you have a mass contamination event because somebody had diarrhea or vomited in water, because of that low retention time, there's a greater chance you're going to come into contact with that norovirus. So the reality is, even though there's less chance of exposure in terms of a lake over an ocean, because of the volume and the retention time, the ocean is still your best bet. What about swimming pools? Uh, the they put chlorine in the water, does that reduce the risk of uh, getting norovirus? Yeah, I mean, norovirus has shown to be resistant against quite a number of disinfectants. Um, but if you're using at proper chlorine levels and you're doing appropriate shocking whenever you have one of these um, exposure events, in other words, someone gets in uh, and they accidentally have some diarrhea or they vomit or you've got some child with diapers, um, they're going to have to shock the, uh, the pool with chlorine. <clears throat> when that happens, you've got nothing to worry about. Um, where it becomes problematic is when you're dealing with um, concentrations of chlorine that are below what's necessary to kill the norovirus, and that can happen, <clears throat> excuse me, and that can happen as a result of the sunlight uh, and also as a result of what we call chlorine demand because people are constantly going into the water and they're adding all of their own bodily oils and bacteria and everything, it'll re naturally reduce the levels of chlorine. So swimming pools do pose a risk, 
but if they're maintained properly, um, it should be negligible. Uh, when you talk about shock, is it when they put a lot of uh, chlorine in the water? Yeah. So normally you add, uh, you know, what we call parts per million. It's going to be, you know, somewhere under two. That's what it should be for regular swimming. And then what you're going to do is when you shock it, you're going to bring it up above 20 to, to 50. How can a normal virus be removed from uh, natural bodies of water? <laughs> uh, we haven't figured that one out yet. The only way that you really can do it is through filtration. Um, you've got to find something that's going to be able to hold on to that virus so that it can't flow through the water. Now, we've seen this in the past where you can use um, slow sand filtration um, and, and other types of natural earth filtration mechanisms to be able to prevent viruses from getting through. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to do with a huge body of water. So the reality is, is that you might be able to make the water safe to drink and use for you know, your toiletries and everything, but there's a, it's almost impossible to be able to take norovirus out of a giant body of water. Do you have any advice for beachgoers to reduce their risk of getting sick? Yeah, really, it, it comes down to don't, drinking, like, don't drink the water. Um, that, that, that's the first thing you should think about. And I know it's difficult. I know that kids love to drink water, okay? Um, but you want to do your best not to drink it, especially if, you know, if you're in a pristine lake or something along those lines, then, you know, don't worry about it. It's fine. But if you have lots of people who are gathering around and people who are getting involved in swimming and stuff like that, and you're not sure about the hygiene status of them, yeah, just don't drink the water. And when you get out of the water, make sure that you take a shower. Use some soap um, because, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting all of that off of you. And it's not just the norovirus. There are potentially other things that could cause skin infections, ear infections, that type of thing. So take that shower. Um, if you have had diarrhea in the last couple of weeks, especially if it had been norovirus, um, don't go swimming. Don't take a baby who has, you know, soiled diapers into the water. They're very simple things to, to adhere to, right? Unfortunately, If you happen to be in a very hot environment, like we have been here over the last couple of weeks, people are just jumping into whatever water source they can find just to stay cool. And we've got all of this climate change that's happening where people are literally living in 40 to 50 degree weather. They have no choice. They have to get into the water just to stay alive. So it's very difficult to comply to, you know, not going in if you've had diarrhea. So the reality is the best thing for you to do is Take a look around you when you're going in the water. If you see lots of people and people you don't know, then just naturally assume there's going to be something in the water that could potentially make you sick and do your best not to drink it. Can you talk about the norovirus projects that you were involved in? Yeah, so I was working on the study of norovirus as it pertained to um, infection spread. We wanted to try and figure out how we could prevent the virus from spreading from one person to another. And we looked at the different disinfectants, um, and most importantly, we looked at how you could use alcohol-based hand rubs, in other words, hand sanitizers, to be able to help. Um, norovirus is pesky. It, it persists a lot. So what we ended up finding is that you're going to have to do a lot more in terms of frequency and making sure that you're washing your hands. 
because if you just let the norovirus accumulate on your hands, you're not going to be able to kill it with alcohol hand sanitizer. So really, if you're coming into an environment where you think you may have norovirus, and again, most of this was in a hospital, but this could also be a cruise ship, this could also be a restaurant, um, then make sure that you're washing your hands more regularly and then using the hand sanitizer as a supplement just to make sure that you're safe. Where can people get uh, more information about uh, the work you do? Well, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at J-A-Tetro, T-E-T-R-O. Uh, and my website is jasontetro.com. Jason, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, it is my pleasure. And uh, I, I hope everyone has a very good summer and that your swimming is safe and norovirus free. That was Jason Tetro. Jason is a microbiologist and visiting scientist at the University of Guelph. He is the author of The Germ Files and a regular on Canadian TV and radio shows. That's all for today. I'm the Poison Terminator. I'll be back with another episode next week. Have a great day.